that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me for another edition of Morton's Law Podcast here on this Saturday, June 19, 2021. I am recording this on Saturday evening here, and uh, I want to let everybody know this is the uh, season finale of uh, this uh, season two finale, excuse me, and I'm pretty excited to bring that to you. I know people like season finale, what what does that really mean? Well, It's just like 23 episodes. I figure I would just go with that because that's what network TV shows do. Not that there's going to be a, a break in between seasons or anything. Just keeping it together, if you will. So I'm working on new cover art. I know you guys have seen the Bullet Club cover art for a long time now. I am actually looking to hire somebody. And I'm weighing my options right now to get something more specific to this show. I have some ideas in mind. I'm also looking into a website for the show. Just trying to expand as much as possible. And uh, listen, I need everybody's help out there to help expand this show. That's what I'm asking for everybody. I just wanted to say this also. I thank you. You, everybody out there who listens to this show every week. All right. I know I talk about asking you to help me spread this word of this show. But it is not lost on me. How many of you do listen weekly? And I'm, I'm thanking you. Thank you very much. But I'm asking you guys, yes, you listening right now, please send me questions or comments, anything sports or wrestling related on Twitter at Morton's underscore law. Also, if you listen to this show on Anchor and you have the app, you can actually leave me a message, a voice message, and I'll play your question or comment here on the show and then I'll answer whatever I can. And uh, I'm definitely, listen, I'm humbly asking everybody not only to do that, but please write a review. Go on Apple Podcast, anything you can to let other people know that this show, you like this show, so other people will want to listen to it. Thank you for your time. Sincerely appreciate it. So on this edition, we have uh, my usual AEW review. I know I had taken a week off from it last time. Another NXT review. Some news on a star, a WWE star, back at the PC training for an in-ring return. We'll get into that shortly. So recently, I'm just walking down the block, and I see a blonde guy walking with his stick. And he just stops someone, asks for directions. And this woman actually says, go this way. Without pointing. He's fucking blind. Finally, she realizes what she said. And then she says, oh, keep walking straight. And of course, he walked right into oncoming traffic. No, I'm kidding. No. He's, he's still alive and well. I just... <laughs> go this way. <laughs> what? <laughs> so... <laughs> you ever see these news stories? A lot more is happening, of course, with the crime in New York City. About people getting robbed all the time. And people being... Having their homes broken into and robbed is some crazy story recently where this uh, woman invited a couple into her house right here on Staten Island where I reside and she wanted to help them feed their kids and typical what's going on in the world right now they robbed her and they somehow got $16,000 in cash, which just sounds mind-blowing. It's like, who has that much money lying around in cash? Unless, of course, it's not legit, and you don't want to tell anybody about it. 
but I hear this all the time on the news. Like, senior citizen robbed $500 in cash. I'm like, Jesus, people, get a bank. It's like, if I ever get robbed, you'll hear the following. Robber walked away with credit cards and $2. Yeah, who the fuck carries cash anymore? It's like, when a homeless person asks me for money, I ask them if they have Venmo. So for those unaware, as I just mentioned, I am in New York City, and I know the primary situation, or whatever you want to call it, for the mayoral, the polls upcoming. I know people are actually voting early, and uh, apparently Eric Adams is currently in the lead. Listen, I'm not sure who to vote for. I don't know. Ultimately, like I say, it's the lesser of the evils. <laughs> or you can say who's slightly less incompetent. That's the goal here. So I ask this, what's the difference between a politician and a used condom? That condom has more value and isn't as dirty. But yeah, listen, when it comes down to voting, I could always vote, but I would lose time masturbating. And that's very important to me. In fact, it's been two hours since I last jerked off and my favorite webcam girl comes on soon. So let's get this show going, shall we? All right, coming up after the break, of course, AEW, NXT, much, much more. You're listening to Morton's Law Podcast, coming back after this. Welcome back to Morton's Law Podcast. Thank you guys again for joining me in this season two finale, whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> before I get into AEW this week, uh, some news broke about the company in general. Uh, for those who don't know, AEW will be returning to live events in July. They have a bunch of shows scheduled already. And it was announced that AEW will finally make its long-awaited debut in the tri-state area, September 15th at the Prudential Center. Now, pre-pandemic, I had tickets to go to the show with friends. If you remember, it was the show that was scheduled to hold the very first Blood and Guts match, which, of course, we saw that recent debacle for whatever reason in front of basically no crowd. And then the following week in uh, Queens, New York, at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, the Tennis Center, September 22nd, this venue holds 24,000 people. Now, that's very ambitious by Tony Khan. I highly doubt they sell out. I mean, of course, they could paper it up, which, of course, means free tickets, giveaways, you name it, radio show stuff. But I still don't think they're getting 24,000 in there. I'm honestly surprised they didn't do the Nassau Coliseum first, the smaller venue, which holds 14. By the way, I think they will sell out The Rock because they're around that 14,000, too. And uh, we'll see what goes hap- what happens with them and their live events. It's a big thing now in terms of recouping. Like WWE's going live, MLW. I think everyone's going to go live now with uh, having a crowd back. It's important. All right, let's get into the show. Take a deep breath. A couple weeks back, they announced a cage fight. Wardlow and Hager. And I yelled, you heard it here, I yelled, No! Now, you know my my take on MMA and pro wrestling. It's absolutely ridiculous to work a cage fight, especially in the pro wrestling setting. It makes no sense. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe they went through with this. So the show starts, there's the cage. 
And I'm like, this is happening. Both participants enter the cage. Justin Roberts, the worst ring announcer in the business. By the way, he couldn't get work anywhere after WWE until Cody called. So let's be fair about that. He tries to do a variation of the Michael Buffer, typical weak stuff. He announces the following. Three five-minute rounds. No judges. Only way to win is KO, submission, or ref stoppage. Wait, what? But this is fucking timed. So let me get this straight. If nobody wins after 15 minutes, is there a coin flip? I mean, how do they determine a winner without judges? So, okay, you're telling me that this won't go the distance. <laughs> Just come out and say it's fake. Why don't you? I mean, what are they doing? It's like, I was so upset. I was like, fuck you, AEW, and everyone involved. This is horrible. And you know, not for nothing, Hager is a joke for agreeing to this. He's a legit MMA fighter. So I, I honestly look forward to the day just because he participated in this to when he actually fights a legit MMA fighter because he's had some, as Bobby the Brain he used to say, some ham and eggers in Bellator. And the day he gets embarrassed, I'll have a smile on my face. I mean, like I said, he's an undefeated MMA fighter. They show the video of his wins. He's 3-0. The best part of this that did not do him any favors. So he's 3-0. Right? And in MMA, his AEW record, 14 and 8. So let me get this straight. The legit cage fighter with a collegiate background is better at real fighting than fake fighting. Okay. So they try to sell us on Wardlow, who apparently trains MMA. Look, even if he has trained, until he steps into an actual MMA cage for any MMA company, He's not an MMA fighter. I'm sorry. And I don't think he has a record. In fact, he does not. Okay. So, I mean, it's just insulting to me as an MMA fan. I haven't been doing a lot of MMA reviews. I just think the product is watered down. It's oversaturated. I'm not a big fan anymore. But it still insults me as a fan, especially of the past. And look... The majority of the AEW marks, they, they don't watch MMA, so they don't know what they're being told, what's legit, what isn't. I mean, of course, they're too busy reading, reading comic books and playing video games. So they just have no idea what this bullshit is. It's just like, it's so bad. So the fight starts, and it's clearly a joke right away. Like I said two weeks ago, Hager ends this in one minute if this is a shoot MMA fight. You can clearly see Hager working this fake fight. I mean, he's what you would call... He's carrying Wardlow to this fake MMA fight. Awful fake punches. You clearly intended to miss. Nobody's coming close. The announcers made me nauseous during this. I mean, it, they all came across as like fucking stooges pretending this is real. I'm embarrassed for all of you who called this match. It's so bad. Hager then finally connects with a punch and then walks away. Like, just walks away. What is that? And then Wardlow smiles, by the way. I'm yelling, someone kick me in the dick. It would hurt less than watching this abortion. Hager has Wardlow on the cage. Just understand this for a second. A former NCAA wrestler going for a double, double leg takedown against the cage is thrown away like a rag doll. <laughs> what am I watching? What is this? Hager then finally takes Wardlow down and then gets right back up. I went, what? This doesn't happen in MMA. All right, there's an exception to the rules, I always say. It will happen. A guy will get up. 
if he is only facing a guy with a superior ground game, a specialist in BJJ. But, I mean, it's just, <laughs> and because he wants to avoid a submission, that's the biggest key in getting up. So, of course, Hager's a wrestler who wins MMA fights that way, especially with triangle chokes. Can you tell I'm angry? What do you think? Can you tell? I honestly began to loathe AEW for doing this fake cage fight. It oh, it got under my skin so much. So then Hager takes him down again. And, of course, Wardlow's back up instantly. Wardlow then connects on a punch, then attacks. Uh, as you're watching this, by the way, I started thinking, boxers would be laughing at this. This was an embarrassment. They're throwing these giant haymakers, zero head movement, yet somehow, with all that said, no one's connecting on punches. No one. This is how are they missing? <laughs> are they missing? There's no head movement. No, Hager gets dominated in the final minute, and I'm just thinking this is the competition to WWE. This is your competition. They must be laughing watching this. How do you not laugh? It's so bad. I know I'm going to take heat for this. I don't even care. I think I think people are more on my side now than they were in the past. Jim Ross needs to fucking retire. You fucking suck. I'm sorry. This, this sucks. And and everything everything he says is just so... Oh, just, I can't stand listening to him anymore. Alright, so Wardlow attempts a double wrist lock. To which this old fuck says the following. If he had executed the double wrist lock, it would have submitted Hager in a heartbeat. Right! Because the actual MMA fighter couldn't possibly escape. And listen, I will fight anyone out there. Street fight. If you tell me this shit was good. Tell me this was good. We're fighting. Because this fucking sucked. Wardlow then gets a full mount. Wardlow gets a full mount on the MMA fighter. Goes for an armbar. Hager escapes. Gets side control. Wardlow then hits a powerbomb off the cage. Yeah, this is an MMA fight. Powerbombs off the cage. Follows it up with a Hurricane Rana. By the way, I think I left out the part where he hit the, uh, the, what was the, the spot off the cage. Oh, he jumped off the cage and did a Superman punch. Right. That was, that's great. <sighs> I mean, look. So my thinking is after this, they just want us to laugh at it. Clearly, this is not serious. So I, I get it now. I can't be angry. They want us to laugh at it. Wardlow follows up with a spear. Hager gets the head and arm triangle choke. By the way, again, this move is used to win his MMA fights. Wardlow escapes in under 30 seconds. That's great. Let's just kill Jake Hager, why don't we? All right. How ridiculous this was. I'll say this, all right? So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so Hager hits a Uranagi and then gets the head and arm choke. Finally, he wins the match. It's just... Oh, my God. It's just... Finally, it ended in the second round. It, and then Justin Roberts is an idiot. Listen to what he says. The winner by submission... It was ref stoppage, okay? <laughs> it was ref stoppage because he passed out. Justin Roberts... I even think the announcers botched it, too. It says submission. So, yeah. This was absolutely embarrassing. <sighs> Man. No surprise. Of course, a fight breaks out afterwards. Jericho, MGF. Everybody's fighting. I mean, Jericho, I mean, MJF tries to break Jericho's arm. Dean Malenko, who was kidnapped recently, comes to the ring. He's an agent, of course. MJF pretends to hit him, stops, and then kind of like he, what he did with Jericho, he threw him off the cage. He delivers the worst working forearm you'll ever see and knocks down Malenko with it. 
You guys, I, I just want to ask you this question for those people watching wrestling for 30 years or more. Or even 20, I don't know. It just got bad over time. Do you remember when guys threw good working punches and they looked real? Like you thought the guy just hit him? These forearms look so weak. Awful. Now, I don't know if I had commented on it, but later in the, in the show, Scorpio Sky actually threw some legitimate old school upper cut forearms that you would see back in the day that you just don't see anymore because these guys now lay in these weak forearms. But yeah, it's a, it's a joke. It really is. So then, oh, it gets better. That's right. So Sammy comes out, right? Sammy comes out, hops the cage, takes out Sean Spears. Here's the best. The best. Okay, there's many bests, but this is, to me, the best. Wardlow, the guy who just competed in an MMA fight, quote-unquote, with an actual MMA fighter. Sammy Guevara approaches. Wardlow did what? What did he do? He ran out of the cage. He ran out of the fucking cage. What? Sammy Guevara was... Look at the size of him. He's running from him. I said this. AEW should just close up shop. That's it. Close it up. We failed. That's it. Close it up. It's a mockery. They fucking... They really do bury everyone. Who cares? Let me ask this. Can you take this show seriously? How do you take it seriously? And again, I'll fight anybody who thinks this was good. Anyone. Let's fight. I want to show you what a real fight is. This was terrible. Then the masked idiot Excalibur actually says this. Wardlow earning his keep even after the fight, serving as MJF's bodyguard. Um, he ran out of the cage. <laughs> he ran out of the cage to avoid Sammy. Oh, this is absolutely embarrassing. Fuck you, AEW. Oh, man. All right, let's move. There's more to the show, believe it or not. You would think they could just go off the air after that. because, uh, But it can only get better, you hope, right? All right, so we know this show wasn't live. There's no live bug for those who work in television or, or don't work in television, excuse me. And, uh, I mean, look, perhaps a percentage of the audience at home understands there's no live bug in the corner that says live, so they knew this was taped. But when you come back from commercial where there was a cage and now there's a ring, you know it's not live. They didn't just somehow take the cage down and put a ring up in, in three minutes. So that just looked ridiculous. All right, so the next match is a handicap match. We get Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky against Darby Allen. For those unaware, Darby Allen told Sting he can do it alone. I don't need your help. So Sting stayed home, or I should say back in the uh, senior center, right? <laughs> Getting his Ben Gay applied. All right, so this match was actually redeeming. But, I mean, let's be fair. A car accident would have been an upgrade over the first thing. So, Darby zip-ties Paige's legs together, which is creative. It was a fun, whatever, moment. It was cool to see that. Now, I'm not sure what to make of the following. Darby hits his coffin drop on Scorpio Sky. Paige, who was outside, somehow got to his feet, even though zip-tied, and pulls Darby off of... Sky as he's about to get the pin and outside the ring. Now, I have no issue with that. But then Paige gets a toolbox. Yeah, there was a toolbox under the ring, and he cuts the zip ties. Now, okay, you can say, well, they set up the ring before, so you obviously need tools. I get that. But the fact that, you know, why is it under there? It kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, at least the announcers could have sold it and be like, hey, our ring crew forgot to take out the toolbox. I mean, anything. Look, all right, if you want to say I'm nitpicking, that's fair. Maybe I'm being too critical. I don't... All right. So then Paige eventually hits his uh, 
I guess pseudo razor's edge for the win. And then, um, I mean, look, they had to win this match or they're just buried as everyone else in this company gets buried. I mean, it probably didn't need as long as they did to beat one guy, but that's the way it goes. Again, in a tag match, a guy's in losing heat anyway, so they could have beat him earlier. All right, so Omega's backstage with Jungle Boy. Says he wants to fight him. Then he puts his hands behind his back. He Actually, he said, Jungle Boy, I know you've never been in a, in a real fight, so let's fight. And uh, <laughs> so he puts his hands behind his back, says, you can have a free shot. Actually says the following, I'll be all up in that ass. So we get more Omega homosexual overtures. Because remember that one time he told Don Callis to 69 him. That's fun. <sighs> so Jungle Boy gets ready to hit him. He takes off all his stuff. He's ready to hit him. Then, of course, from behind comes Michael Nakazawa with a laptop. Hits him in the back. Jungle Boy somehow recovers. Fights off Omega who flees on a golf court. Cart. That was just an awful segment. Now, I want to get into this because I actually think this will be a good show next Saturday night. Remember, AEW is on a special night Saturday. Well, they've been on Fridays. Now they're moving to Saturday for one week. And they're going to be live with this main event. And I just don't know how they're going to beat. You know, I always talk about finishes. How are they going to beat Jungle Boy in this match? Because he's not loose. I'd be shocked if Omega lost the title here. Although they could technically do a quick switch and then give it back. Something they don't really do or haven't done yet. It's something maybe to just get Jungle Boy over, even if it's for a week or two before Omega gets the title back. Because, I mean, how many times has Jungle Boy lost these big matches? Uh, unless they have an angle plan when he loses. He, who's, we'll see. All right, so up next, we get the debut of Brock Anderson. Arn Anderson's son teaming with Cody against QT Marshall and Mr. Aaron Solo. And... Okay, I've never seen Brock Anderson in terms of shirt off, and it looks like he works out less than Arn did in his prime. I mean, you can't make up how bad of a physique that is. And listen, I'll just say this about pro wrestlers, or athletes in general. And I see boxers who look like this also, occasionally a cage fighter. If that is your job, to wrestle or fight, how do you not have a dietitian? How do you not have... A personal trainer working you out, getting you in the best physical shape without steroids or testosterone or anything. You can still have a good physique. There's many guys in the business who don't look roided up. That could still look better than what Brock Anderson looked like. I mean, just, I don't get it, but okay. Now, with all that said, he and Cody worked well together. Brock showed he has something. I mean, look, he's look at who he's the son of a plumber. So, so he's the grandson of a plumber then, right? According to Kevin Nash's promo, if you guys remember that. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so look, he's going to definitely have great psychology in the ring. I mean, just listen to dad, right? You don't have to listen to anyone else. He'll teach. So, all right, there was a good spot in this match, the one that I'm always begging for. So here's the deal. It's your tag spot, right? Where the face is going for the tag. And then the heel who's on the apron comes in. Now the ref has to turn his back because, of course, he's distracted by the heel. And then he misses the tag. So the face gets the tag. And then he turns around. And this is perfect. This is what I've been yelling about. And I'm not saying they're listening to the show, but maybe other people are saying it too. And that is how you build to the hot tag. So kudos, AW. You got it right. And, of course, no surprise, Cody and Brock ends up winning. Brock gets the pin, and QT Stable is still on life support. I don't know. Should we pull the plug at this point? 
I don't know. I don't know where Anthony Gogo went, Camarado ringside. I mean, they're the bigger stars of the group, let's be fair. So you could say a Gogo and Camarado are still okay at this moment, but Solo has just been buried. All right, so we get this absurd backstage segment with poor Hangman Adam Page. I mean, still stuck with this worthless group of job guys, the Dark Order. I mean, it's just... And they give they give what kudos to Evil Uno for being in the match, and then ish you can't you can't make up how bad that segment was. But of course, some people out there find that funny. Ha ha ha! That's funny. Okay, <laughs> the next match. Oh my God, Penelope Ford and Julia Hart. You cannot make up how bad the timing was in this match. I don't even think you have to be a wrestling expert to see how off these two were in this match. There was one specific spot that was laughable. So Julia Hart goes for a spl- split leg drop. Excuse me, split leg drop. Ford, watch it back, moves out of the way before Hart even starts to go into her move. That has to be t- a lot tighter than that. Like You have to wait another second before you move. It just looks so bad. Nice. Oh, man. Okay, so the main event, six-man tag. I feel like they're always doing a six-man or something just outlandish in these main events. But all right, I'll give it the. I'll see what happens. So we get Matt Jackson, no Nick Jackson in this match. Keep in mind, with the Good Brothers against Penta, Kazarian, and Kingston. I'll say this: if you're going to be heels, and especially with now Tony Khan having rights to music, let's get the Bucks new music. Do we really still need the super kick party music? I mean, let's change their music. Give them something heelish. I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but something good. All right. So this match was actually good. All right. I'll give it credit. There was really good heel heat on Eddie Kingston. Eddie sells like a champ. I mean, he gets this business. He knows how to make things look good and real. Now, I'll say this. Unfortunately, it didn't build so much to the tag so it was a bit of a lukewarm tag if you will not cold not hot but it was a decent tag kazarian wow kazarian was great in this match here's the thing about kazarian he's so underrated when you think about his overall body of work and his career and all the things he's done go back it's like i remember the days of the early tna days when their pay-per-views were on wednesday night from eight to ten i think it was worth like 10 bucks i ordered a few of them and I remember his ridiculous matches with AJ Styles. In fact, I want to go find those. I hope they're on YouTube or one of those TNA channels that you can see for free. I don't even know what they're on these days. But yeah, that I mean, yeah, I, Kazarian's so good. Now, there's a cool sequence in this match where Penta hits a package pile driver, Eddie hits the Saito suplex, Kazarian hits the Angel's wings. And they got this right. They got it right because Gallows came in and made the save. He comes in, makes the save. Now, you know me. I would have lost my shit if Jackson kicked out. I mean, that's just a joke. All right, so here's the finish. I said Nick wasn't there, right? Okay, so you you know this referee, Knox, never pays attention. They bury him on commentary. At this point, it's probably a work, not even a shoot anymore. It's just like, oh, this guy sucks. We know that already, but he still works these matches. So Nick Jackson comes out. Has the aerosol can and sprays Penta in the face. Anderson hits what Excalibur called a super cutter. Gets the win. Now look, I've been saying this. I've been giving credit. The Bucks are now starting to win his heels using this aerosol can. 
different ways of using it. I get it. That's that works for me as understanding this business. I'll say this: that this is how you get heat. But eventually, eventually, the heat has to be countered where the faces have to get theirs now. They have to get theirs, or you're just killing everybody. You're just killing everybody if you don't get get something back. All right, I'm going to take a brief time out. I'm going to come back with NXT and more. You're listening to Morning's Love Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to Morton's Law. Let's get right into NXT. Now, before I start with the show review, it's being reported that Becky Lynch, yes, that Becky Lynch, has been working out at the PC getting ready for her in-ring return. Of course, recently gave birth. And uh, yeah, I don't know how she'll shake up the roster and what they're going to do when she returns. But hey, remember, she left with the title. so And she was super over. You can't deny that. I don't know how they're going to move stuff around there. Show starts. Regal in the ring. Going on about his history with NXT. This kind of ran long, but it was passion in it, so it was good. Out comes Cross, who really delivers. I mean, this was great. This was great. He says uh, Regal couldn't control him, and he should leave. And then, out comes Samoa Joe. Huge ovation. Crowd going wild. Joe politely declines... Regal's offer to replace him, but then says he can be his enforcer. Joe gets in Cross's face and says the following, What are you still doing in my ring? TikTok. Cross slowly leaves the ring. And look, this was, this was great by everybody here. This was a good segment. Cross has great facials, good heel work. I've said it. He's, uh, now I've, I heard he was backstage, him and, and Bronson Reed at SmackDown last night. And it seems like they're going to be called up sooner, so they're going to be getting that title off across some way, somehow. They uh, apparently worked a dark match on SmackDown. They lo- they love, bo- I mean, they love Cross more than Reed, but they're both going to come up, and both are champs right now. So you have to take the title of both these guys fast if Vince wants them up there. All right, next up, it's it's really hard to I can't even pretend to care about Brizango versus Imperium. This was a total waste of time. Does anyone out there care? If you do, let me know. All right, there is one thing that stood out in this match to me, all right? So the heel's working over the face. I forget which one is involved here. So the crowd starts to clap. I think they even came out of a commercial break. And when the crowd starts to clap, the face in this situation didn't do anything. And the clap just ended. And I was stunned by this, because you would think that the agent on this match, not sure, I don't know who it was, would tell them... That you need to react to the crowd right there. Now, not all the time, but this is a perfect example of how to get heat. I mean, here's how I would have done this, okay? So the crowd claps. Babyface starts moving and fighting off the heel. He gets to his feet. The crowd's now excited. The heel simply, listen to this, pulls his hair and takes him back down. That's a great spot. Or you could even do this. You have the heel on the apron, distract the ref, and then the heel pulls the hair. So now you have that crowd doing something for a reason to get you thinking they can make the tag, and then they don't because the heel acts like a heel. So that's just that's my thought. And that's another thing. So then after the heel does that, he walks over to the ropes and starts tr- talking trash to the crowd. Then he can even slap the baby face on the apron. It's simple stuff that gets lost in how you get people over his heels. And more importantly, make people care. 
this match was flat and and nothing made you care it was just, even the finish was like i don't give a shit it's just a match Backstage, we get Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly now being pulled apart. And I said, thankfully, the feud is back. I, now, I had faith in them. I, I did say that. I had faith they would restore this feud, and they did, so well done. Joe walks in to break it up. He moves O'Reilly away, who respects Joe and didn't do anything. Conversely, Cole pushes Joe, and then Joe comes up from behind him, chokes him out. It was a great line by Joe. He actually says this. He says, when he wakes up, I want his answer. Because apparently Regal said there's going to be a match between him and O'Reilly at Great American Bash. Now, I am the biggest Samoa Joe Mark. Been a fan of his since 03. I followed his whole career. I remember going to uh, a hotel. What was it? The Manhattan Hotel. I forget the name of it. The New Yorker. To see him against Kobashi in 05. I mean, Joe is... I don't even say he's underrated because he's that good. So he's not underrated. I don't think people underrate him. With that said... Him choking out Cole, or punking out anyone on the show, which he kind of did with Gargano later on, doesn't exactly help their roster look strong. Now, unless, now again, he's not medically cleared, he does get back in the ring, because that would be a good storyline, whether it's him and Cole or him and anyone else going forward, if he does get cleared, because you can't just punk out everyone if you can't be in the ring. That just looks soft, or makes people look soft. Moving along... So, Santos Escobar, I can't sing his praise enough. Another excellent promo cut. The man, I mean, there's just such command and delivery in his promos. He's saying he's coming after Reed's North American title. We talk about Cross moving up, Reed moving up. Once Escobar, and he should be there eventually, if Escobar goes to the main roster... And Vince screws this up. It is not on Escobar. He's that good. In the ring, on the mic. This is on Vince. Because he can do everything. Again, I said it in the past. I'll say it again. And by the way, if you watched the Andrade promo. With the subtitles and everything on AEW. Which I didn't talk about. And then you watch Escobar's promo. You're like, this is why Escobar can be a star. Because he can do everything. Next up, we get the Kushida Open Challenge. This new guy gets a package, Trey Baxter, apparently turning heads, according to everybody. I mean, all right, the video package has him saying the usual, you know, best high flyer, most innovative. I mean, look, these, let's be fair here. These guys are a dime in a dozen, all right? I mean, <laughs> and then he says, oh, people always told me, no, I can't do it. Uh, I have all heart. I mean, this is just the usual rhetoric to get these guys to make you care it's so overused did he even say i had to go i should have watched this back did he say dream match against kushida i look i I don't claim to know everybody in the indie scene i don't have enough time i barely have enough time to watch the shows that exist i mean the major shows i should say but i don't i've never heard of trey baxter if you have more power to you but to say this is a dream match with kushida all right whatever all right so good stuff early on in this match matt wrestling i was like matt what is that Matt wrestling, it's back. I went, holy shit, he grabbed the headlock. So this guy Baxter got points with me right away because he grabbed the headlock and it was a good one. He cinched it in. And I was like, okay, starting to like this kid. Then he does the Flip Gordon. You guys familiar with that? The drop down nip up was like a handspring nip up that Flip Gordon will do consecutively. That is really cool. But all right, so listen, I get everyone has an influence in this business. Clearly his influence, not only Flip, but Will Ospreay, 
So listen to this. Here's what he did. He hits the hip hip cheerio, which is the springboard clothesline. Then he does the flip into the pose, which is vintage Osprey. Then he does the Sasuke special, which of course is Sasuke's that Osprey took. So this guy clearly loves Will Osprey. Do you remember when they said he's innovative? So yeah, he's innovative if nobody's ever seen Flip Gordon or Will Osprey. <laughs> so Kyle O'Reilly inexplicably, yeah, easy for me to say, inexplicably comes to watch. He's ringside now. Baxter has a chin lock out of the commercial break. Cloud, crowd starts clapping, and this time they get it right. Kushida up to his feet, fights out. More Osprey. <laughs> he hits the handspring head kick. I'm like, wow, Beth says he's innovative. I'm laughing. Beth, have you ever watched anything else other than WWE? Remember when she said she watched the Joshi, the, the Joshi princess? Because that new girl who's, what's her name? Saya, who's vanished? <laughs> yeah, Beth is watching everything. Oh, yeah. So then we get this good finish. Kushida with the hoverboard lock off the top ropes. They drop down. He reapplies it and gets the immediate tap. Hey, Baxter wrestled. He didn't just do spots. So there's something there, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, remember the guy Carmelo Hayes from a couple weeks back? Uh, look, there, there's everyone's going to get a chance at some point. O'Reilly enters the ring after this match. And he gets in there and he gets to Kushida's face and he says he wants to beat the best. And he challenged him for next week. I was like, all right, that's at least a cool match. And now O'Reilly, I believe, is billed more than 205. So this will be a non-title match. It should not be for the title, nor do I think he would win the title. Uh, so I was like, all right, we get a good match at least. Next segment, LA Knight comes out for the million dollar title coronation. He cuts a really passionate promo about being honored to uh, carry out the legacy of the title. He talks about meeting your heroes. Now, the crowd really took a shit on this. I, I said this before. They really hate LA Knight. And it's not even like heel heat. It's like go home heat. They don't want him there. I don't know why. Now, as I'm watching this, you saw it coming. All right, look, if you're a wrestling fan, you saw what was happening. You saw how they were going to build it. Knight goes on and says how that I, I, that I have everything I want, and I'm going to drop what I don't need. And, of course, he lays out DiBiase. No surprise. Saw it coming. I mean, this makes sense to get him more heel heat because if, if they're listening in the back, they're like, Ew, this guy is getting the wrong heel heat. So now you get him different heel heat. That matters. Now, the crowd who had earlier chanted for Cameron Grimes hits the ring and makes the save. And this was really smart because they finally established a face and a heel in this little feud here. And I'll be fair, the crowd really sucked here because I was hoping for a louder pop for Grimes. A lot of people love Cameron Grimes, but when he came out, I don't want to say they were sitting on their hands, but it could have been louder. Now, I don't know if irony is the right word here, but how about... LA Knight attacking DiBiase to get more heat. DiBiase now, I guess you would call him a face, whose entire career was a heel in the WWE, so I don't know if that applies, but good storytelling, and now people should care about this. This was a really good segment, and uh, I hope Grimes gets more over here as a face. Now, all right. <laughs> this was fun. Because I, I like I like her. She's, she's good. For every so-called innovative great spot that the guys do, right? Everything from, from what we just saw with Trey Baxter, Will Ospreay, Ricochet, all the high flyers in the business. Casey Canizero can do them all. Every spot. 
So I'm just saying, all right, she can do every spot they can do. So this was a good tag match. It was, you know, Gonzalez and Kai win. All right. So that I just wanted to point that out. I, she's so good in those same spots that the guys love to do. I have to ask this. How is Ever-Rise a thing? I'm just curious. Ever-Rise getting backstage comedy sketches. It's just, it's so bad. It's painfully bad. I'm just curious who backstage thinks they're funnier entertaining. I really want to know. I, I want to know who thinks that they're anything in this business. Okay, so we learn O'Reilly versus Cole will be a regular match. A regular match. So the first match was unsanctioned, and now we're getting this. By the way, we thought AEW did things backwards. What is going on with today's booking? We're going to give you blood and guts. We're going to give you an unsanctioned match. And then we're going to give you a bunch of regular matches. The opposite. That's not how you build. You're going, what is everybody doing with booking today? I don't get it. Main event, we get a quality tag match. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of the Grizzled Young Veterans. I get what they do in the ring. It's solid. I just feel like they have a... They're not a main event or a tag team to me. They're just okay. But they're good in the ring. I'm not going to dismiss them and say they're bad in the ring. Uh, they take on Toothless Timmy and uh, Tommaso Ciampa. All right. This was really good. This was. It felt like an old school match. I liked a lot of this. I feel like this match is what tag team wrestling is lacking today and i'm not gonna say all tag team matches are garbage or just there's nothing going on that's good i'm not gonna do that but i'll just say that matches like this are few and far between where they made everything matter they slowed it down made you care and then in the end thatcher and champa wins so they're gonna get msk at some point which will be a really good match and we'll see what they do with that uh real quick I know I didn't preview or say I was going to talk about it, but I have some extra time here. Wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs really quick without a break. I uh, I was stunned last night, okay? I was absolutely stunned when the Utah Jazz are up 72-50. to 50, And within 13 or 14 minutes of game action, they blew that lead without Kawhi Leonard on the court. I was in shock. I was like, what happened? I, I mean, the Clippers went nuts from three. The Jazz, who I think made like another 14 threes in the first half, came out ice cold. They got outscored 40 to 21 in the third quarter. Donovan Mitchell, credit to him because he was a game time decision. He came out, played hard for at least three quarters. I think he ran out of air in that fourth quarter. I think he's laboring also. And uh, Mike Conley finally played, but that fourth quarter. On top of it, once they took the lead, they just, Patrick Beverly hit, what, three threes in that fourth quarter? Utah was exhausted, I think, because they weren't even getting out and contesting these threes. Now, again, you don't expect Pat- Patrick Beverly, of all people, to go nuts from three, but their defensive rotation was poor. I think they were playing too much zone. They were hedging on the zone. And, and that's my biggest gripe with a lot of NBA defense today, is that if you're playing a zone and... How much, what percentage of, of shots are threes? It, it's closing in on 50% of shots being three-point, especially in this series. So if you whether you're in a zone or a man, what are you hedging on? You should be locked to a guy, and you should trust your defense to be able to make a stop without having to double or without having to help, and unless, of course, you're beaten badly where then you have to yell help, which in that case, the center should rotate over and everyone should rotate to someone and there shouldn't be wide open corner threes every possession. It's just like, 
the proverbial chicken with the head cut off whenever the ball moves. I don't I don't get it. I just feel like there's a lack of discipline in defense. And that was a prime example of it. And now tonight, as of course I do this on a Saturday night, we get game seven with the Bucks and Nets. I mean the Bucks, listen, I said it in the last show. I, I've been eating shit with Chris Middleton. Because he came back again in game six and had a, another phenomenal game. I mean, uh, oh, I forgot one part. I was going to talk about Paul, Paul George, who had such a stench on him in, in the past with playoff performances. And this year, he has stepped up without Kawhi. And, and by the way, Terrence Mann out of nowhere last night. The only Terrence Mann I know is from Field of Dreams. They're going to come, Ray. They're going to come. But, yeah, so uh, kudos, Paul George. You did it. I mean, hey. Congratulations. And now they're going to play the Phoenix Suns. And that series is starting a bit quick, I think. I know they have the schedule in advance, but the Clippers having to come off the Friday night win, having to go to Phoenix now on Sunday afternoon is a quick turnaround, I think. And Phoenix has had a long layoff, so let's see how they respond. And I know Paul had an issue with COVID. And honestly, I apologize. I'm not sure the update on that, if he's going to play on Sunday. Not sure. But back to the Nets-Bucks series. I... Want to believe the Nets, and by, and again, kudos to James Harden for playing. I know with this hamstring, there's been a lot of discussion, especially LeBron coming out, saying, oh, the offseason has affected everybody. We have all these slew of injuries in this postseason. Listen, I know people disagree with this. You're here to win a ring, okay? I, a lot of these guys are overpaid to begin with. People talk about owners and how much money they make, and these guys should get a cut of it. Yeah, they're getting a really generous cut. I mean, what do you want? Players to make the same as the owners now? What, what are we doing here? I mean, when you look at the history of, of contracts, you can't get any more paid than these guys are. And you know who pays for that? The fans. The fans pay. And a lot of people are talking about this product and, and what it is right now. And I've even heard Jeff Van Gundy talk about that they're considering changing rules with the three-point shot. I don't. I mean, that's bad if they do that. It's just about defenses playing better. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it that guys want to get paid, but I respect guys like Embiid playing hurt, Mitchell playing hurt, Harden playing hurt. That's old school mentality. The goal is the ring at the end of the day. It should be, especially when you're set up for three lifetimes of money. No one here is going to be a Charles Sprewell saying, I don't have enough money to feed my kids. Embiid's making $147 million, and I'm sure everybody else is well compensated for. And then when you look at guys like Derek Rose who tore his uh, meniscus 25 times he's still playing in this league he's still making money he's not poor and Bede is not going to need another big time contract to to live it's just (laughs) I don't know I mean some people have a different opinion but yeah so this game seven I mean look how about that game by Durant in game five that was just insane so I mean what was it 49 points just couldn't miss in that fourth quarter just unconscious from the floor and I think look people are gonna say Harden didn't matter in that game but I disagree from this standpoint that he's a really good passer and if you go look at the stats because I looked this up in the previous game game four in Milwaukee Harden didn't play the the leading assist man on the Nets had five and then everyone else was two or three Harden comes back has seven assists Seven assists because he knows where to put the ball. Even if it's as simple as getting Durant the ball on a turnaround jumper. Putting it precisely in his hands. And I know Harden had a horrible shooting performance. But like I said, he's absolved for that just being on the court. But if you look at it with his assists and the points he scored, he accounted for 19 points in that game. 
that matters. Because if he's not on the floor, then you have backups who aren't maybe throwing those same passes and getting assists. There was one play specifically where Durant, which was really smart, runs down baseline on a screen, gives Harris a backdoor layup that Harden finds him for. Now, you could say anyone can make that pass, but it has to be a good pass, and Harden throws really good passes. So, yeah, he mattered more to me, I think, in Game 5, and I do not believe the Nets win that game without him just being there on the court. That, that factors a lot. People don't get that. Now, yeah, so Game 7, well, I mean, look, Giannis... Let's talk about Giannis for a second. I mean, this guy takes a half hour at the free throw line. Now the crowd is counting the 10. It's just then he's gagging at the line. I mean, game five was, was an embarrassment in that fourth quarter with his free throw shooting. And Middleton went cold. I mean, is it a matter of remember, every home, The home team has held in every game so far. So if that keeps going, Nets win tonight. I anticipate Durant just getting the ball in the fourth quarter and taking over again. I can't see anyone stopping him. I mean, the biggest keys to the Bucks winning is Giannis making free throws and Middleton having a, a, a 50% shooting game. He cannot be 8 for 21 tonight. So there's that. And uh, yeah, so let's get into some of the show plugs before I go. Tune in every Monday night at 10 p.m. for the Absolute Truth Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join the Hot Rod, Sean Black, and Lady T as they give you the truth on current events, politics, and everything in between. That's Monday nights at 10 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash theabsolutetruth100, where they tell it like it is. And don't forget, Box Seat Suck Podcast, Tony Soprano, as they talk about the history of Yankee Stadium in the bleachers and why the box seats suck. And uh, furthermore, the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast with uh, Corey... Richmond and Jason Brooks, check that out. And yeah, thank you guys for joining me. This wraps up the season two. <laughs> and I'll be back with season three soon. Don't forget to check me out on YouTube, Morton's Law Podcast. And again, Twitter, please send me your questions, whether it's on Anchor, Twitter, Morton's underscore law. I need more interaction, reviews, everything. But again, to those listening, thank you for the support. I didn't forget about you guys. And until next time, Uh, Morton's Law Podcast. God bless gay sex.